All right. <laughs> Thanks, you guys. Well, officially, good morning. <laughs> My name is Dan Kelm, and if you're visiting this morning, um, I'm the site pastor for our Kewaskum location of Kettlebrook Church. And, um, and, and if you want to keep having a good time sharing and chatting, I definitely welcome you to stick around after the gathering because we always have a time of uh, coffee and treats afterwards, and uh, it'd be great to have you join us for that. So it, it is a new year, and we are wanting to kick it off right with some classic Chris Farley. Uh, <laughs> uh, but really, uh, who, a.k.a. Larry Templeton from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, and so it sounds like you guys were able to engage in some good dialogue. And so the reason that we, we showed that clip is because this morning we're kicking off a five-week series called Gospel Fluency. And, and fluency is all about our ability to speak and communicate clearly with ease and with familiarity and i think that the problem is and maybe we've all felt like this at some point uh is that we tend to feel a bit like larry templeton from milwaukee wisconsin uh because when it comes to talking about our faith in jesus uh it's like we almost might might as well be in a different country uh we feel like we don't have the words or we, we feel like we don't understand the culture around us so we feel like whenever we talk about god we're going to make a mistake, a big mistake. And our hope uh, for the next five weeks is that we can begin to set a framework for what it looks like to be comfortable, confident, and clear when it comes to talking about the gospel and how Jesus impacts everything in our lives. And we want to dive in what it means to be fluent in the gospel. And the reason I think it's, it's important for us to be fluent in the gospel is because what we're fluent in is what we'll talk about. You, you might not have thought about it this way before, but we're all fluent in something. Uh, and I'm not talking about English. So some of you might be fluent in football. So maybe you know around Christmas time you might have been at somebody's Christmas party and felt totally out of place, and then all of a sudden you realize the game is on. And there's a bunch of guys huddled around the TV and you hear them saying strange words like capers, Thompson, off-season acquisition. And you're like, these are my people. They're speaking my language. (laughs) For a couple of you in the room, I'm not sure. Maybe I can look and see who might this be fit with. If you hear the phrase new old stock, you're like, ooh, what? Your ears perk up. I think for a lot of you, though, when you hear that phrase, new old stock, you're wondering if that's something about Wall Street trading or maybe something for your hunting rifle. <laughs> so some of you in the room may be fluent in sarcasm. <laughs> Literally almost every time someone says something, your response is a sarcastic one. It, you, you don't even have to think about it. It just flows naturally. Some of you may be fluent in movie quotes. My, my brother and I will often, sometimes when we're talking to each other, just subtly, you know, like drop a little, a little movie line into our conversation and then just stop and go, name that movie. <laughs> Upon which they have to name that movie without shame of <laughs> missing it. But some of you may be fluent in your employment language. Uh, when you go to work, you've got a list of acronyms or, or terms that you use that sounds like language from another planet to somebody else. Um, and, and you know, like when your boss comes up to you and he's like, yeah, I'm going to need those TPS reports. Name that movie. Oh, come on, people. Office Space. <laughs> great shame, great shame. 
<laughs> my wife, Therese, she'll be on the phone with her sister, who's also a physical therapist, and, and I'll overhear her like telling a story, and she'll be like, yeah, the guy had a static sacral referral from a modal C6 impingement. And apparently that doesn't actually mean anything. I just strung a bunch of words that I've heard her say. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when, when, That's how we sound when we're around the people we work with. Some of you might be fluent in defending yourself. If you're accused of something or if someone comes at you without thinking, uh, your words can form this airtight defense and perhaps even this, this counterattack as effortlessly as breathing. It just comes naturally. Some of you may be fluent in hashtags and texting slang. NBD, LOL, IDK. Seriously, some people in this room just understood what I said. SMH. (laughs) If you can figure that one out. Language is a big deal. Uh, It's a big deal because it's the primary way that we communicate. And what we're fluent in communicates what's most important to us. Right, and, and, and is this getting louder, Steve? I feel like it's getting louder and louder. <laughs> Let's see if I can fix it. Okay, all right. So it, language is important because it's what we're fluent in communicates what's most important to us and in, in what we're immersed in. And twice, Jesus says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, and that our heart is where our treasure is. What we, what we value is what we're going to talk about. And I get it, because a lot of times it's easier, for me included, to talk about sports or travel or hobbies or politics or movies or food. And maybe we tend to feel a bit like Chris Farley from Larry Templeton from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, because we're more comfortable with being a spectator when it comes to talking about the gospel. We'd rather watch from the sidelines than be in the game because we're not fluent. And, and maybe the reason that we're more comfortable and confident when it comes to talking about something else, but not so comfortable or confident when it comes to talking about the gospel, talking about Jesus, is because we haven't learned or practiced gospel fluency. And so we want to take the next five weeks to, to work through an understanding of what gospel fluency is, and then hopefully work toward a path for each of us to become comfortable, confident, and clear when it comes to being fluent in the gospel. And and this, then, is is where we're headed. Steph, if you could throw that slide up for me. So this is where we're headed. Gospel fluency, speaking the truth in love. Gospel listening, their story. Gospel identity, our story. Gospel narrative, God's story. And then lastly, gospel speaking, speaking grace. And so to kick it off uh, and to kick off gospel fluency this morning, Uh, I'd like you to grab a Bible and open up to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, and that's on page 828 of our Red Bibles. And so if you need one, just by all means, wave at Scott. He'd love to bring one up to you. As you're turning there, uh, let me give you a little bit of context for our passage this morning. It's written by the Apostle Paul, uh, who was one of the greatest Jewish persecutors of the early church. Now, he began a personal quest to kill and imprison the early and original followers of Jesus. And then, of course, Paul had this experience with the risen Jesus Christ. He turned his life around to follow Jesus. And in the beginning of chapter 4, 
Paul himself tells us that he is now a prisoner for Jesus and that he's writing to the Christ followers in, in the city of Ephesus and he's making an argument for unity in the body of Christ and how Jesus is building us into fullness. So let's read Ephesians chapter 4 and start with verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is one of those rare instances for me where I think the NIV translation does a good job, uh, but I happen to like a different translation a little better. And so I actually want to read that passage again, but this time from the Holman Christian Standard Bible, and we're going to throw it up on the screen. So let's read that again. And he personally gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the training of the saints in the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into a mature man with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. All right, there's a lot going on, uh, but aside from the theme of unity, which this chapter actually has as its, as its heading, what, what did you guys see when you're looking at that? What are some things that jump out to you? Maturity? Anything else? One body? Different parts? And we've got growth. Um, there's a lot of things. There's, uh, essentially, we see the signs of spiritual maturity. Uh, full growth, spiritual adulthood, incompetence, and fluency. And, and the heart of this passage is, is, is an encouragement to be fully growing into a mature, responsible, competent, and fluent follower of Jesus Christ. Verse 11 talks about these, these major giftings that, that Jesus has given out um, to the church. And a lot of times, the focus is on the gifts themselves. Uh, we've also done teachings on these gifts. Uh, but here, the, the emphasis isn't on the gifts, but rather the point of why Jesus has gifted the church, which we see in verses 12 and 13. It's for the training. And that word can also be translated equipping or perfecting of the saints. And that's, that's us as followers of Jesus. For, and then this is the important part, the work of ministry. To build us up 
into Christ's body here on earth for his purposes and to unify us in Jesus. And the result of this is growth and maturity measured against the fullness of Jesus. And I think, unfortunately, all too often, um, I think many of us live in such a way that you'd think that the point of Christianity is to believe in Jesus and if you can and when you want to and as you're able to follow him. And that it's okay to say, I'm comfortable with how much I've grown. And this doesn't just happen in our faith. Uh, We do that in other things as well. Uh, One of my latest hobbies has been uh, digging into genealogy research. It's fun. Uh, As I've gotten into it, though, I realize that there is a lot to learn on the DNA side of things. Uh, there's, There's all this medical knowledge that's a part of it. And on the historical side, there are entire languages to be learned and, and methods of searching that can be learned. And, and I've invested some time. I've, uh, I've learned a, bit, a few bits about DNA and uh, I've, learned, I've figured out some of the methods that are available. I even learned how to spot a few words in Polish and in Russian. Um, and then I stopped because what I learned was sufficient for me. I, I mean, I don't have the time, the dedication, the, the, the extreme drive to keep learning more and, and frankly, I don't need to because it's just a hobby. I, mean, it, I can choose to be, become an expert or I can choose to be a novice. Uh, and, and the end goal is enjoyment. And there's no required measuring stick for enjoyment. I think all too often, I think we approach following Jesus the same way, that the end goal of following Jesus is blanket salvation from hell and our own enjoyment. That's not what it says here in verse 13. The end goal is to look like Jesus, to be like Jesus. And the measuring stick of whether we've reached the fullness of maturity is the stature of the fullness of Jesus himself. And Paul tells us to keep growing into spiritual adulthood. Verse 14 compares this against spiritual childhood which is demonstrated by being blown and tossed by every wind and wave of new teaching from cunning, crafty, and deceptive people that are not only looking to distort our faith, but to divide us, to stop God's kingdom from advancing. And and this makes sense because some of the signs of childhood are, uh, you know, of of just regular childhood are being immature, being easily fooled, uh, making foolish choices, And when it comes to uh, making foolish choices in immaturity and youth, I could stand here up here all day and tell you stories galore. (laughs) I have quite a few of those, and I was pretty good at that. Uh, And one of the one of the best that I have is probably when I was 12 or 13, and I was home alone, and I thought I heard a noise in the house, and so I I went to investigate with my BB gun, (laughs) pumped and loaded, (laughs) and uh, you know because you know that'll really take out an armed robber. So, uh, and that wasn't even the immature part. So after, after I'd cleared the house, um, you know, I kind of uh, started to envision what it would have been like if I had, you know, come across the burglar. And so I raised my rifle and I aimed and I pulled the trigger. And to this day, I can't remember if I had the safety pressed or if it was only halfway on or maybe if I just forgot it was loaded. <laughs> but... I remember watching in slow motion 
as the PB left the gun and went right into the china cabinet. <laughs> My poor mom. <laughs> we can make a lot of foolish choices in immaturity, right? And the same thing can happen in our belief in Jesus. In an immaturity of faith, we can make choices that tear down and destroy the body, not build it up. Spiritual immaturity doesn't know Christ's fullness, doesn't seek to grow in all ways into the one who is the head of the body, the one who holds it all together. But as Paul finishes uh, this passage on spiritual maturity in verses 15 through 16, he tells us that spiritual adulthood is demonstrated by speaking the truth in love, which promotes the continued growth of the body, building itself up in love so that each of us individually is not only growing, but also fulfilling our role in the body of Christ in the advancing of God's kingdom. And And we're doing that for one another. Speaking the truth in love is about competently and clearly being able to communicate God's truth, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, first with one another and ultimately for the purpose of reaching others for God's kingdom. And I often think we do a good job maybe of of focusing on teaching about full growth in Christ, maturity in our faith, responsibility of ministry, but we don't spend a lot of time at all talking about competence and fluency. And I think this brings us back to where we started with Larry Templeton from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and language. Remember, what we're fluent in is what we'll talk about. Let's see if I can figure this out. <laughs> what we're fluent in is what, what, we're, what we'll talk about. Um, and it communicates what it is that's important to us. And one of the quickest ways that you can tell if a person is immature is by what they say and what they do, what they speak about, what they talk about. And and, and I think it's the same thing with our faith. One of the quickest ways to tell if a person is immature in their faith is by by the way they speak and what they talk about. Because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And our heart is where our treasure is. What we value is what we'll talk about. Now, I think going forward, one of the most important things that this is important for all of us to note is that this covers all of us. Uh, None of us has yet met the fullness of the measure of Christ. None of us has. And Paul never once says you in this passage. He always says we and us. And so all of us, Paul included himself, need to continue to work through the immature parts of our faith to grow into full, mature, spiritual adulthood and Christ-likeness. Saints who know how to speak the truth in love and who are fluent in speaking the gospel. And if there's something in us, I think, that feels like Larry Templeton, uh, if, we, if we feel more comfortable being a spectator than being in the game when it comes to talking about the gospel, I think that's a good indicator that there's something in us, that there's a component of our gospel fluency that is not, has not yet been developed. And, and this is the heart, really, of why we're going to take five weeks to talk through and work through what gospel fluency looks like. 
so that each of us in the body, like Paul says, can work toward a path uh, to become comfortable, confident, and clear when it comes to being fluent in the gospel, fluent in speaking the truth of Jesus through the heart of love that we see in the gospel. And so, to kind of to bring a practical application this morning, uh, I, want, I want to finish up really by unpacking that phrase, speaking the truth in love. And I think we can focus on three things when it comes to speaking the truth in love. So we can focus on what it is not, what it is, and how to begin. And in regard to gospel fluency and speaking the truth in love, I think it's, it is imperative to start with saying what it is not. It is not a system. All right? It is not a program. It is not a new set of words that we need to learn. It is not memorizing a set of spiritual laws or techniques in debate or apologetics. It's not something that the newest book or the, the latest conference contains. It's not a formula or a mathematical algorithm where if somebody says this or does that, then you can respond by saying X or doing Y and it will lead them to Christ. It is not a system. Speaking the truth in love is not a system. It's also not generic wisdom. And I fall for this a lot. I'm a problem solver by nature, so I want to help solve people's problems. And I've actually uh, had people tell me uh, at different times that they're struggling with paying bills or saving money. And all too often, you know what I do? The first thing I do is point to the generic wisdom of the Dave Ramsey system. (laughs) And I... And I do this with other things, too. I talk to, to my friends about the troubles in society. And all too quickly, what do I do? I start finding myself pointing to the generic wisdom found in a political system. Speaking the truth in love is not generic wisdom. Fluently speaking the truth in love is also not a scale. Sometimes I think we've looked at this and we've seen this, this, these words before and, and we've kind of looked at this as almost this concept of truth versus love and this balance between the two. And, and some of us are more truth people, right? And some of us are more love people. And I think that's true. Actually, um, this is really funny. This week in the news, I was reading the oddest story. Um, apparently, it's gotten so cold in Florida that iguanas have been freezing and falling from trees. And I'm not talking about those, you know, five-inch cuties. I'm talking about the three-foot lizard monsters. <laughs> and they're not dead. They're apparently just freezing, and they'll unthaw after a while. <laughs> and since I was reading this story on Facebook, uh, I could see all the comments that people were making. And so <laughs> all the love people were like, oh, scary, but, oh, poor things. I would take them in my house and let them warm up. <laughs> and all the truth people are like, Well, they're an invasive species, so if you see one, now would be a good time to kill it. (laughs) Truth versus love, right? The truth people often want justice to be served, and the love people often want mercy to be given. Truth versus love. But when Paul talks about speaking the truth in love, that's not what he's talking about. And he's definitely not talking about a scale. And speaking the truth in love is also not a weapon masked in Christiany language. Many who call themselves Christians use truth as a weapon 
and have turned a lot of people away from Jesus. Some of you may have even personally experienced that. Uh, Maybe for you, your experience is that Christians are fluent in the language of judgment. Uh, Hey, I love you, but insert hurtful comment, right? And and maybe you're still not so convinced. Uh, And maybe for you, your experience is that Christians are fluent in guilt and shame. And they're able to use Bible verses to make you feel bad about your life. Speaking the truth in love is not a weapon. So none of these things are are what it means to speak the truth in love. These are not the things that Christians are to be fluent in. So what what is it? Uh, What is gospel fluency in speaking the truth in love? See, Christians are supposed to be fluent in the good news. In the gospel of Jesus Christ, speaking the good news of Jesus into any situation. See, if, if you or I only told our friends who are struggling about, with money, uh, if we only told them about the Dave Ramsey system, it might help, right? Uh, but if they're going to grow up into the maturity of Christ, and if both you and they are going to look more like Jesus, then the truth of Jesus has to come into the conversation. The gospel is what is good news for them. And I think we all know uh, people who spend money to feel fulfilled or that each new purchase gives them a boost or that, you know, but it doesn't last and then there's a chance that they feel trapped by trying to keep up or, or with the latest or greatest whatever it is in spite of just the hardship and the toil it takes financially and, and there's a chance that they're feeling the need to, to be affirmed through maybe expensive clothes or, or whatever. And, and in each situation, I mean, the Ramsey method can help, but it's the gospel that's good news. Jesus was the perfect steward of the Father's possessions. Jesus wanted his disciples not to worry about possessions because each day had enough worries of its own. Jesus wanted us to be free from slavery to the next purchase. That's good news. On the pastoral team at Kettlebrook, uh, we, we do talk to a lot of couples that, that come in and, and ask for help. Um, and it's, it's really tempting for us to just give them tools. And we have a lot of tools. And we have good ones. There are a ton of helpful tools for couples to grow in their communication, uh, in their bonding, in their intimacy, in uh, their conflict resolution. And, and there's even a, a great test for it. I think a lot of us have taken that test. right? And, and by the end of the day... The really important thing, though, is the fact that we need to point husbands to the perfect husband, who is the model that we see in Jesus, uh, of what it looks like for us to love and serve our wife, just in the same way that Jesus loved and served his bride, the church. That's good news. See, a system or a tool... Maybe can fix the symptom. But unless we speak Jesus to one another and into any context of whatever we're struggling with, we will not grow up. We will not mature in Christ and we will stay children tossed around by every wind and wave. Gospel fluency is simply being able to speak the good news of Jesus into any situation. Okay, so how do we do that? How do we begin 
we practice. See, first, we need to grow in our understanding of the good news itself. If we want to grow in our understanding of the good news and become more like Jesus, we have to know firsthand who he is and how he lived on earth. We have to be reading the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We need to be asking ourselves, how does Jesus respond to stress, persecution, fear, anxiety? How, how does he engage in conversations with people? What did gospel fluency sound like coming out of Jesus' mouth? And we need to think about these things because gospel fluency starts with our thought life, how we look at and process the world around us. If we're not fluent in speaking the truth in love in our thought life, it'll never start to become part of our speech to one another. And if it's not part of our speech to one another, it'll never become something that we feel comfortable, confident, or clear in doing in attempts at evangelism or discipleship. And we'll probably never even want to engage in those things. Right? We're going to feel a bit more like Larry Templeton and like, you know, you come to, to church and you're like, I thought they said I could, uh, you know, be at a church. I didn't think that they said I would have to be part of the church. Right? Big mistake. Big mistake. But I think that's how we sometimes feel. Wait a minute. I thought I could just spectate. I thought I could watch. And it comes down to the fact that because we don't know the language. So in your small groups, in your families, in, in, in the time after the gathering, though it might be easier to talk about the cold weather or uh, vacations or work or anything else, I want to encourage you to try and begin to practice talking and taking the time to to speak about what Jesus is doing in your life. Uh, Practice sharing real struggles in your life, struggles that you maybe don't necessarily have the solution to yet. Uh, And and if you hear a problem someone's having, don't don't immediately give the the knee-jerk, here's how you fix it reaction, Uh, but take the time to think through if something deeper is going on and if this problem is just a symptom of a greater need a need for good news. And this way, like Paul says in verse 16, when we speak the truth in love and when we do it fluently, we'll all be able to help promote the growth of the body, building it, building us, one another, up in love for the purpose of each of us being useful in God's kingdom, advancing his kingdom here on earth. Please pray with me. Father, I thank you uh, for leading us as a church to just spend some time to talk about uh, what it looks like um, to have gospel fluency in our lives. Uh, What it looks like uh, and what it can look like for each of us to recognize maybe areas where um, we're being held back from thinking about how you think about things, talking about, about things, the way Jesus would talk about them, uh, from doing the things uh, in evangelism or discipleship that Jesus did. Father, I ask that you'd please help us recognize maybe um, some of the things that we fall for, maybe fear that we have, anxiety or worry. Father, you would open up uh, each of our hearts to recognize where is it that we individually need to continue to grow up, to grow into the fullness of the measure of Jesus. 
Father, as a body, as a family, I pray that you would help us speak the truth in love. Not the wrong ways that we talk about, but that we would look to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ into each other's lives. That we would hear what people are saying and that you'd give us eyes to see just what maybe are some areas that the truth of Jesus is not being believed and where we can speak good news into a situation. Good news that leads each of us closer to maturity and faith since we're all in different areas, immature in different ways. Father, I ask that you'd use those of us who are more mature in one area than, than I am to speak into my life um, f- so that I could be built up, so that I could follow you more. And Lord, I ask for each of us in this room that we would each have that heart to just be humble uh, before you, God, uh, and, and also before one another, knowing that the building up of our body, of this body, of the, of the, of the church, your church, uh, not just in our Kewaskum area, but in, in Washington County around us, Lord, your capital C church, that you would use your people for the advancing of your kingdom. And Father, we pray that your will would be done. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.